a really quick and exciting announcement to make. The Menopause and Cancer podcast is now also on YouTube, and I'm so excited that more people now get to watch our conversations. So the link to the YouTube channel is in our show notes. Please go and subscribe to the channel so that more people who need to hear our conversations are able to find them. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Menopause and Cancer podcast, where we speak with cancer patients and amazing menopause specialists and experts to help us find solutions to our symptoms and also ideas to improve our health. Today, we're going to be discussing how we can tackle really stubborn hair loss, hair thinning, scalp issues long after your initial cancer diagnosis. My name is Danny Binnington and I'm really excited to bust some myths with you and my expert today. Are these laser helmets worth the investment? We're going to be talking biotin, collagen, rosemary oil, what makes sense and where are you wasting your money? I'm delighted to be sitting here with a whole group of the ladies of our amazing community and of course our brilliant expert Eva Proudman one of the industry-leading trichologists in the UK who is so gorgeous in helping us really answer all of our questions. So just to introduce you very briefly, Eva, you are a trichologist with over 20 years of experience in the industry. You've helped countless of people have a better hair quality and experience with the hair again. You're also a fellow of the What's it called? The You're the cha chairman of the Institute I, I of Trichologists, aren't you? Yeah, I was the chair. I've just stepped down in the last sort of 12 months and I'm what, I, I'm what they call a fellow. So I've done lots of different things. So I've done research, I've done clinical trials. Obviously, I'm busy in clinic. I promote trichology um, and you get recognised as a fellow. There aren't many of us, probably about 20. Um, and it's it's a real honour to be sort of nominated and given given that sort of um, distinction, really. So, yeah, so I'm a fellow of the Institute. I'm a member of the International Association of Trichologists and also a member of the World Trichology Society as well. So um, kind of keep in touch with colleagues all over the world. And it's a real honour that you're here talking to us because I feel menopause gets big um, airtime out there on social media and in the world. And then with many women talk about hair loss and hair problems that come with menopause. But what about when those hair problems are induced by perhaps a chemical menopause after cancer or a surgical menopause? And I, I never really find the answers to those particular questions. And so with all the research you've done, the science um, that you can share with us today. I'm really grateful that you're here with us today. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Um, Aoife, let's talk a little bit about chemotherapy. So many people embark on chemotherapy. We almost expect we're going to lose our hair. It grows back and it sometimes grows back differently. Explain to us why that is. Okay. So the reason we lose our hair with chemotherapy is that the hair follicle is the second fastest dividing cell in the body. So it's very, very busy. And as you will know, cancer cells are very fast dividing. And so the chemotherapy can't distinguish between a cancer cell and a hair cell. And that's why the hair is lost. But it's lost um, on the surface. Underneath, it's still sitting there that once the chemo is taken away and has exited the body, it will start to grow again. The reason we get changes in growth is for several different reasons. So the color, the color change 
where the hair grows from in the root, where the, where the hair is sort of taken away by the chemo, we have what we call melanocytes. Melanocytes are cells that make melanin. Melanin puts the color in the hair and they kind of get messed about with the chemotherapy. So sometimes it will come back very, very clear, fine, unpigmented, gray, slightly warmer, darker. Sometimes it will naturally revert as those melanocytes recover. Sometimes it won't. So that's why we get the color change. The shape change is slightly different. So again, if you were wearing a cold cap, the cold caps have to be fitted to cover very snugly on the scalp, very tightly to do their job. And sometimes when you're squeezing, instead of the follicle maintaining its circular shape to give you relatively straight hair, it can go a little bit elliptical, a little bit oval, and you'll get a wave or a, or a bend in the hair. And sometimes it's that chemical reaction that changes how that hair grows. So instead of coming straight out of the follicle, which is what straight hair does, it will curl before it comes out. And that's why we get the changes. Because you see, and I speak to so many women who say, my gosh, are you curly as well now? And it's such a surprise, isn't it, when it comes back differently? Yeah, yeah. And different to manage as well. Straight hair is straight yeah. hair. When you've got any sort of movement in it, if it's only a little kink, it's difficult to make it sit. If it's very curly, it tends to expand when you wash it and dry it rather than sort of, of, of getting smoother. So you have to learn to manage it differently as well. Yeah. And I was never offered the cold cap, actually, when I was going through chemotherapy. Can you explain us a little bit for anyone who's got friends who might start about, about to start chemotherapy? What is the cold cap and how can it help? So the cold cap is used to put a, um, a very, very, very cold um, covering over the scalp to make the blood flow into the follicle as restricted as possible. And by doing that, it mitigates the damage that the chemo does to the follicle to try and retain the hair. The secret in them is you've got to have it fitted properly. It's got to cover the scalp really snugly to really sort of insulate those follicles to keep them as cold as possible. There have been developments in the caps. They are better than they used to be. Um, Hemo induces lots of sensations, as you will know, not least of all that sensitivity on the skin and particularly the scalp. So sometimes if you're really unwell with your chemotherapy and your type of tumour, having that cap on and the uncomfortable sensation that can give can be too much for some people. Um, and it's not always a guarantee. So I've seen patients that have worn the cold cap and kept their hair. They've kept some of it. They haven't kept it. And if you don't keep it and you've invested in it, it it's it's really hard to, to kind of cope with that because you feel like that's something else that's dictating cancer's terms to you rather than you being in control. So that, that that's what the cold cap does. It, it really sort of freezes down that temperature to stop the blood flow into the follicle, to stop the chemo attacking it so aggressively. And that makes total sense. I have a quick favour to ask. To help the show keep growing, please click the follow button on your podcast player. It really would mean a lot to me. Thank you. And how does menopause then affect our hair? So let's not talk about people with cancer. A, a healthy woman who's going into perimenopause, menopause, why does our hair change? 
So we have lots of factors at perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause. So in perimenopause, lots of ladies experience changes in their monthly cycles. They will either be very short or they'll get longer, heavier, more painful. And very often that will deplete the stored iron that we have. It's called serum ferritin. We store it as a protein and it's got a really big range. It can go as low as 10 up to about 300 on most labs. And as long as you're in that range for your general health, your GP will quite rightly say that's normal range. For the hair, because of the type of cell it is, we need it between 70 to 80. And I see lots of perimenopausal and menopausal ladies whose ferritin has been depleted greatly. And when we've got low ferritin, you can get this condition where you see more hair coming out. You're aware of it in the shower, in the brush. It feels much thinner everywhere. You can see a bit more scalp. It's got a horrible name. It's called telogen effluvium. Telogen is the natural shedding phase and effluvium means you're doing too much of it. So it's not hair loss, but it feels like it. And people panic. They sort of stop washing their hair. They stop coloring their hair. And that just then makes them feel bad about themselves and puts that anxiety and stress up. And when that stress goes up, we produce more of the hormone cortisol. Cortisol puts us into survival mode. The hair follicle's non-essential. And as a consequence, you'll get more shedding. So that's one of the things we see. Another thing we see is that if you've inherited the genetics for what we call male or female pattern hair loss, we all know what male pattern looks like. Female pattern tends to start through this center part in here. You'll notice the parting's a little bit wider. You can see more scalp. Your crown won't sit. You notice the crown's open and you can see sort of through at the front. And what's happening is the hair is miniaturizing. It gets thinner and thinner and thinner until it can't grow. And very often as ladies, because we've got a higher level of estrogen, we suppress that for much longer than the guys. So guys regularly at 20, 30, you see a lot of male pattern. I see lots of ladies at sort of 30 plus starting with female pattern. And that's because the estrogen is going down and it allows the testosterone to have more effect. What's important to remember is if you've inherited the genetics, just sort of going, oh, I'll take HRT isn't going to treat that. You still need to treat that separately as its own condition. HRT is supportive if you've got lots of symptoms like raised anxiety, poor sleep quality, those sorts of things that give you a poor quality, you know, you're not feeling good. HRT helps with all of those. And the boost in estrogen helps a little bit, but it's not the main treatment. So I always say to patients, unless you've got symptoms, don't go on to HRT just for your hair because we treat the hair anyway. And so, again, you can see that female pattern coming in. Um, and again, menopause does lots of things not least of all you can gain weight for no reason you know you've, you've always been able to hold your weight fairly well and suddenly it's creeping up and things are tighter and we we go into this oh I'm not going to eat mode I see ladies that are only eating once a day or they're cutting massive food groups out and again the hair needs nutrition it's the second mm. fastest dividing cell but non-essential. So it's right at the bottom of the food chain. And if you don't have enough in your diet and you don't have the right things and we become deficient in other things like vitamin D, vitamin B12, 
the hair will do this shedding and thinning. And again, in clinic, we'll blood test. If you're deficient, we can help you with something that's tailored to you and what's happening to you. I think with the hair, I see lots of people that have researched on Google or stories on the internet that, oh, I tried this and it fixed it. You may not have the same thing as that person and what they did may not be right for you. And that's where seeing somebody who specializes in the hair can save you a lot of time, heartache and money because we will diagnose it. We'll tell you what your options are. If you can go and buy it over the counter, we'll tell you to buy it over the counter. If you need a specific shampoo because we've got a scalp issue, we'll tell you what the shampoo is. And we're there to, to help you get to where you need to go. And everybody's journey is different, but they are the kind of key reasons. The other thing that plays in is oxidative stress. So we've all heard about free radicals and, and skin damage with our skin. We're all using antioxidant sort of skincare products. We forget two things. Underneath here is our scalp. That's made of skin. That gets a huge amount of oxidative stress when hormonal transactions are changing in the body. It affects the follicle, causes oxidative stress and free radicals. And that sort of makes the hair and the scalp health not great. Again, there's a, a new shampoo and conditioner that's literally launched this week that has been developed to penetrate into the dermal papilla where the hair grows from to scavenge away the free radicals and balance that. And it helps the hair to stay and be retained when all of that turmoil and that free radical damage is going on. It helps to suppress it. And so it's kind of a perfect storm at menopause. All these things kind of come together and the hair sort of tops it off, you know. I think I said um, on an Instagram live, you get the hairs on your chin and then not so much up here and you just think, please give me a break. <laughs> you know what? There's so much information in here. I almost feel I need to sum up before we carry on. So we had, in terms of all of the changes that are happening, we have the iron, we have the um, uh, genetic factor that can be part of it we also had hormonal changes obviously we also had nutrition and then we also had the stress so those are five key things that have a negative impact or possible negative impact on our hair and scalp health for all of the women we're speaking to today we've then also had the stress of a cancer diagnosis and treatment and some of those treatments will be heavy medications that we're adding to everything you've already mentioned and so it's kind of like a double whammy for all of the women in my community right you will know women are on uh, medications like tamoxifen or aromatase inhibitors to block the estrogen production or to stop the estrogen to go into certain body parts. Women are on antidepressants, on many other medications. How do these impact our hair? So again, medications play a part in overall hair health. And there are certain medications that we call hair friendly and some that are not so hair friendly. So if we looked at antidepressants um, as, as a sort of um, community of treatments, something like citalopram is a very hair-friendly antidepressant. Something like sertraline, and again, it's not all bad, but some people are sensitive to what's in sertraline, and it will cause the hair to shed and thin. 
it's not loss. It's disrupting that growing and shedding cycle, but it makes it feel like loss. And that kind of is counterintuitive to what we're trying to do with the antidepressant, which is make Mm -hmm. you feel better, take the anxiety down. So it's about finding the one that works for you. Um, As I say, citalopram, I see a lot and never see shedding or contraindications with it. Certainly, I see a lot. I see some shedding with it. It depends on the sensitivity. And again, it's about communication, really, about sort of maybe going back to the doctor and saying, well, I do feel better, but this is happening with my hair. Is there something else I can try? Trying to sort of have a little bit of a balance of control. Again, things like tamoxifen, aromatose inhibitors, I see different things. So if you don't have the genetics for female pattern hair loss, and you're on those aromatose inhibitors, I don't really see a a huge amount of impact. If you do have that that genetic inheritance, you can find that that female pattern sort of goes a little bit quicker, it develops a bit more. Um, But again, we can balance and manage that with the treatments for female pattern, which are not contraindicated to aromatose inhibitors. Um, And the topical one, 98% of it sits in the hair follicle. So it's it's where we want it to be nicely contained. It's not galloping around your body because if, if you've had a cancer diagnosis and treatment, the last thing you want to do is take anything that you don't feel is, is, is clean or what you should be doing. And topical minoxidil, which is what I'm talking about, is very good on female pattern and it sits within the hair follicle. Similarly, low level laser light therapy, it, it's similar. Minoxidil is a liquid that goes into the follicle. The low level laser light is the depth of the light that penetrates. They do the same thing. They slow that miniaturization. They increase the diameter and they can make that female pattern much, much better and hold it and stop that little gallop away. And I've I've spoken to oncologists. I've written to them when I've had patients that are very anxious and sort of said, this is the treatment I'm proposing. Um your patient, because they're not just my patient, they're somebody else's, is very anxious. This is what I I think. And I've never had one come back and say, no, don't do that. Um, They're very happy. And and as trichologists, we do train on contraindications or the medications. We have access to look up if you're on something, you know, is it contraindicated? So for example, If you're on an immunosuppressant that causes um, photosensitivity, you wouldn't be able to use the laser helmet because that's contraindicated. So hopefully when you see a trichologist, they will explain what your medications do and maybe offer alternatives. But also, I always say to people, if you're taking something that is about keeping you alive, that is more important than the hair. And there are cosmetic things we can do for the hair if the trim- if the treatment is limited. So there's always a balance of what we can do, what we can treat and what we can help with cosmetically. And sometimes it can just feel so almost depressing. Like we've gone through so much. We've gone through active cancer treatment. Hair has regrown. We just had a lady in our Facebook community recently who said her hair grew back thick and lush. And now a year later, it's really starting to thin. It's very fine. And she just feels so disheartened because it feels like it's yet another thing. And it's obvious. And we just, 
yeah, it just feels a bit too much. And sometimes it might feel too much for people to go and seek the help of a trichologist. I know in my case, and and you know that because we've spoken, I bought every supplement under the sun for hair when my hair was really, really thin, really thinning. And initially the first um, tool I bought was a, a fiber and it comes in a little sort of packet and you shake it onto the top of your head. It comes in different colors. And I think the picture on the packet is an old man with a very bold head and you sort of cover up. It's like a cover up, right? So that was my first go-to thing. And I still use that. And if I went on a desert island, I would take it <laughs> more than my foundation. Um, but what about all of those supplements? So say we're not quite ready to see a trichologist or we don't think it's bad enough to go and see a trichologist. Let's do a bit of myth busting. My daughters asked me to buy rosemary oil for them. I bought collagen and biotin in the past. Three things that come up all the time when people think they've got more hair loss than wanted. Okay. Tackle them for me. Yes. So number one, rosemary oil. Rosemary oil, thanks to TikTok, um, has been sort of hailed as this magic ingredient that will make your hair grow faster, thicker, longer. It will treat hair loss. It's a myth. Rosemary oil is unique because it has two properties. It is soothing and it is energizing at the same time. So we do use rosemary oil in treatment shampoos for itchy, flaky scalps for its soothing property. We also use it in um, massages um, for its um, ability to sort of energize the blood flow into the follicle. So when you're massaging, it's the act of the massage that's stimulating the blood flow. Having the rosemary oil on your fingertips adds that little bit of tingle on the scalp and just pulls that bit more blood flow. But you'd still get a pretty good result just with your fingers. Um, in terms of the hair, use it sparingly. If you put it through just the mid lengths to the ends, it, it's quite nice and it can sort of soften it a little bit, make it a bit smoother but make sure you wash it out. Oil builds up on the hair. It's what we call occlusive. So it feels nice when you use it. It sits over the hair, but if you don't wash it off, it stops the hair being able to breathe and function normally and it will go dull. So if you put an oil treatment in, don't wet your hair before you put your shampoo on. Work your shampoo through your fingers, massage it over, and the shampoo and the oil are then what we call an emollient. They're mixed together. So when you put the water on, it keeps them bound because water and oil sort of send each other apart. By putting the shampoo on, you'll get it out. So rosemary oil isn't magic. It won't make your hair grow faster. That's set with your genetics. It won't treat hair loss. It can help with a sore, irritated scalp, always in a carrier oil, and it can sometimes help with a bit of conditioning on the ends of the hair. So that's your rosemary oil. Biotin. I could be a billion billionaire if every patient I saw um, gave me a penny because they're taking biotin. So biotin. Oh, no. Yeah. Biotin is. Really? A, yeah. yeah. It's a B vitamin. And vitamin B7, which is what biotin is, had a research study done on it several years ago where they studied people that were deficient in biotin. And what they found quite rightly was if we supplemented it, they got an improvement in the hair, skin and nails. However, 
Biotin is in every food group that we have. So it doesn't matter whether you're plant-based or pescatarian or you eat a full diet, you will get biotin. And so in a Western diet, you are highly unlikely to be deficient in biotin. And you only need to supplement if something is low or deficient. You are much more likely to be deficient in vitamin B12. That's only in animal proteins. So if you're on a, a plant-based diet, you won't be getting it. And vitamin B12 does so many things, not least of all cell renewal, cell regeneration. Again, it's got a massive range. It can go as low as 160 on a blood test up to over a thousand. So it's a big range. If you're in that range, your GP is ticking the box and saying normal for general health. And that is quite right. For the hair, we need it 400 to 500. And lots of ladies I see are a lot lower than that because they don't have animal protein in their diet or not enough of it. Um, vitamin B3, B6, they help with the hair as well. So biotin, I would say, don't invest in it. If you're going to buy something, buy a B complex where you've got everything, all of the B vitamins together, because you need other things more than you need biotin. And then last but not least, collagen. So I am a consultant for a collagen company. I've done research on it, on the supplement and using it in shampoos and conditioners. And it is definitely beneficial. Um, in shampoos and conditioners, it's very good at volumizing. So if you've got very sort of fine hair, the formulation I worked on, and I, I can only sort of talk about that because I tested it, it really does add a protein molecule to the hair and make it thicker. And the conditioner is absolutely fabulous at adding protection and shine and density, but it doesn't build up on the hair. So if you're looking at, at collagen, that's what it does in shampoos and conditioners. As a supplement, it's completely different. So my advice on supplements is if you need them, take them. If you don't, don't. So what's in collagen is protein. It's made up of amino acids. Amino acids make proteins. Protein is what we are made of as a human being. And there are 23 amino acids that the body uses every day. The body can make them all. It can synthesize them itself, except for eight. They are called the eight essential and they're only incomplete proteins. And you've got it. The hair needs all eight just, just to be difficult. So, again, if your diet isn't great or you're not eating certain food groups, certainly things like meat and eggs and chicken and fish, if you're excluding all of those, then your collagen supplement is going to be really beneficial. Um. A supplement that I work with, it gives you eight grams in a little sachet. Eight grams of protein is equivalent to an egg or 100 grams of lentils. So you're getting a good slug of protein with the essential amino acids in it and some vitamin C as well. And so it's that that is the magic in, in the collagen supplements. And it does make a difference. It does improve skin health and scalp health. So are you saying I could invest in a good quality collagen supplement or eat my egg? for breakfast absolutely same, same thing so what if i have a diet that is adequate in proteins and i have lots of beans and lentils and i have a couple of portions of fish and my mackerel a few times a week and my eggs chances are that i'm not deficient in protein right like i think so then a, a, a collagen supplement might not be that beneficial to me it, it may not be um, again, it's to do with your genetics. So if you are finding that 
your skin is not holding up so well. Um, it, you know, the wrinkles are coming quicker than you would like them to, or it's very dry or imbalanced, or the scalp is very itchy. Because maybe we're on medication, because maybe, like me, I'm always outside, I sail, you know, my skin gets battered. And, and that's why I take a collagen supplement is two reasons. One, my skin, because it does get battered by the elements. And two, I struggle to absorb. So again, if your gut isn't great and you're struggling with absorption and have a good diet, again, some of the collagens are formulated that they absorb really easily. So again, that's supportive. So it's really horses for courses. It's not rich for collagen and it's gonna fix everything. And in clinic, I will talk to people, you know, if they don't eat a lot and they're very tiny and you know they're not going to get their protein in, then that's hugely supportive. If they suffer with things like bad eczema, separate dermatitis, sometimes even thyroidism, the collagen can really help with that. So it's really researching why to have it a bit like rosemary oil. It's not a magic fix for everybody, but it is beneficial. Mm. Some women with a history of cancer are worried about collagen, and I'm not sure whether it's a myth or there's something in it. I have asked lots of oncologists. Oncologists usually say there isn't enough evidence. We haven't got enough studies. But was there a myth that maybe collagen can spark tumor growth or something? And so often women think they can't have collagen if they've had a history of cancer. What do you know about the research? So I haven't seen any definitive research that links collagen supplements directly to tumour growth. There are different types of collagen. So marine collagen, we know, is more bioavailable to the gut. You absorb it much better. It does a better job. Bovine is OK, but it, it, it isn't as easily absorbed. And it's going back to what is collagen. Collagen is amino acids. We have those all the time in food. And so I would say that worry is maybe a little bit overinflated because we're not putting anything in that isn't natural. It's not like we've manufactured something and made a synthetic that we're putting into the body and the body doesn't know what to do with it. That's when tumours can be triggered. So, it, it, you know, marine collagen is, is obviously from um, fish. Um, it's got amino acids in it. It usually has some vitamin C in it to help with absorption. And that's all it's got in it. So it's a fairly clean supplement that I would agree with the oncologists. I haven't seen any research that would say to me, don't use collagen um, be because there isn't anything in it that is manufactured or not clean. Mm. There is an oncologist, Dr. Eleonora Teplinski from the US. She's a board certified oncologist and she, about collagen, she says, try it. If you feel and you notice the benefit, she has no problem with her patients to be on it. But she's said many of her patients don't actually notice much of a benefit and that to her is an indication that they shouldn't be on it. So that's quite good advice, I thought. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. You know, I, I have patients that see me that will say, can I take that supplement? And I'll say, well, you don't need it. It would be very easy to sell things in clinic. That's not what we do. If you need it and you feel a benefit, then that is kind of that yin and yang of you've got a deficiency, it's treating it, you feel better, go with it. If you're taking something and it doesn't seem to make any difference or you feel worse, then you're probably taking the wrong thing. And I'm very much a believer mm. in only use things that 
you need to use. Um, and I know for me, collagen has been amazing because it helps with my protein intake. That's what I struggle with. Um, and it has improved my skin undoubtedly and certainly my scalp. Um, I can see somebody very similar to me and they they probably wouldn't get the same benefit because we're all different. Yeah, because when we spoke about supplements earlier and we spoke about biotin and then collagen and rosemary oil, you said actually what would be very helpful is a vitamin B complex, isn't it? Is there anything else that you see from all of these hundreds of people that come into your clinic where you think, oh, yes, I think that could be helpful if we all had a bit more uh, B complex? Is there anything else? Yeah, so what what I did about seven years ago now, um, the reason I don't absorb is I've had really big bariatric surgery. And so it makes it that your gut just doesn't behave like a normal gut. And so I have to eat very specifically. I have to have injections of vitamin B12, sometimes iron infusions to keep my levels where they need to be. And I was told I needed to supplement every day. I tried loads of things off the counter and whenever I went for my blood test, it was like, you need more of this, less of that. And I, I, I just couldn't seem to get it right. And so I was very, very lucky. I went to my nutritionist team that helped with my surgery and said, if I wanted to design something that would keep my levels in a good mid range, and if they dropped would lift them, but not too high, what would I be looking at? And together we made a supplement. It's called Trico Extra. I used it in clinic only, used it for myself, gave it to my patients. And all it's got in it are vitamins and minerals, the ones that affect metabolism really, but hair growth, because hair needs that upper level of everything. And the key ingredients that are in it, it's got vitamin D. Vitamin D is really only found from the sunshine. And in this country, especially this year, we just don't get enough of it. And most of us are low or deficient. Vitamin D is in the hair follicle. It's all about keeping the hair in the growing phase. It also helps with the renewal of new follicles. And it also helps with the immune system functioning properly. And so vitamin D is in the supplement. Vitamin C is in there because that's an antioxidant, but it also supports the uptake of iron. Iron is really important. And in ladies, we often see that stored level two types of iron. There's the circulating hemoglobin, where if that's low, you would be anemic. That can be fine, but your stored iron, your serum ferritin is separate. That can be low. And if it's too low, it affects the hair follicle. So there's iron in there. There's vitamin B12 in there. Again, vitamin B12 is restricted. All of the B vitamins in it, including biotin, because we wanted the full complex. There are things like magnesium in there. There are things like copper. Zinc is in there. Zinc manages over 100 different chemical transactions in the body and really affects the quality of the hair. It was fortified in bread and cereals. So you would think we would never be low. We don't all eat mm. bread and cereals anymore. We're on smoothies, you know. So our diets have changed. So very often I'll find zinc is low. Um and it's all a matter of balance. All of those things are formulated to work together, to absorb together, to manage what you need. But they are only vitamins and minerals because that's what I wanted to treat. And we blood test our patients to see what levels you've got. So a patient will come in and say, well, can I take those anyway? And I'll say, well, I'd rather not. Let me see what your blood tests say. Because if they come back and there's only one thing that's low, 
I'll send you to the chemist and tell you what what level to buy it at because it's probably going to be cheaper and only what you need. So really, it's important to understand what we're storing and how our body is processing it. But they are the key things are are your B vitamins, vitamin D, vitamin um, vitamin C, um, your iron, zinc. They're all really key. And the other thing to watch out for is vitamin A. So lots of us use vitamin A for skin health, particularly for treating skin disorders. It's a fat-soluble vitamin. We store it. If it gets too high, it has the opposite effect of the benefit. And too much vitamin A can really affect the hair. So again, it's mitigating what you're having and looking at those mid-range levels rather than we all have a tendency to think if something is good, let's hit let's hit the right right. Yes. We want that mid-range, really. That's what the body and the hair are happy with. And it's great because if we get this episode and it's on the podcast, we can sit back down with notepad, pen and paper. And perhaps the next time we have a blood test at the GPs, we can really look at those levels. That would be just amazing because I know not everyone can access you. And so we we can sort of reclaim a little bit of control. On my website, Danny, on on the Trico Extra website, you can um, submit your blood tests and I will do a results analysis for you in relation to your hair so i say on it what it means for your general health what it means for your hair i'll give you food groups that are rich in anything that that you're low in and i will advise whether i think you should take a supplement um so you can access it on the trico extra website there is there is a facility to submit your blood test if you want to Ah, that's amazing. Thank you for that. Earlier on in the conversation, you spoke about a treatment. I think you mentioned Minoxil. Was that right? Was that the treatment? Um, When do we need a treatment like that? Because we've now spoken about supplements and additional things we can do. But when do we need a treatment as opposed to when a supplement isn't enough anymore? Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. 73% of people who listen to my podcast haven't yet clicked the follow button on their podcast player. I want these conversations to reach as many women as possible who might need it. So if you've ever enjoyed this podcast, please hit the follow button now. Okay, so minoxidil treats male or female pattern hair loss. Um, it was invented originally, originally as a blood pressure medication. It's a vasodilator. It makes blood flow very efficient. And as a byproduct, it was noted that you got hair growth. It was originally oral and it's been withdrawn as an oral treatment for blood pressure because it had lots of sort of unstable side effects. But used topically, it is still the best treatment we have for male or female pattern. And it's because it sits in the follicle, it stabilizes that miniaturization and it increases the diameter of the hair. So it slows Mm -hmm. in some case stops that male or female pattern from spreading and keeps the hair there so that you don't you don't lose it all. Um, And it does lots of things, but is incredibly safe and stable. And topically, you can normally tolerate it if you're on blood pressure medications, heart medications. Again, over many years, I've checked with oncologists and cardiologists um, and endocrinologists. And topically, mostly it's, it's perfectly safe. We're happy for the patient to use it. 
Orally, there's been a little bit of a surge on it. Tablets easier to take than a liquid. Again, orally, it hits every follicle. You can get hair where you don't want it. That's the last thing we want. And it is more unstable on the side effects, which can be sort of a little bit of a speeding up of the heartbeat. It can be a dip in blood pressure. Topically, you can get that, but at a very minor level, and I certainly don't see it very often. Taking the tablet, it's much more difficult. And again, if you're on certain blood pressure medications, you wouldn't want it orally, but you could take it topically. And that's where we would use that as a treatment, sometimes alongside diet and supplements, sometimes not. It depends what we find at the consultation. And are these laser helmets that you mentioned earlier, and they are on Amazon and you can find them, um, are they as effective as this treatment? And do they stop? Do they make your hair come back or do they stop more hair loss? So the laser helmets, um, it's important when you're researching that the helmet only has what we call laser diodes in it. And that's because it's the depth of the light that penetrates into the follicle. So LEDs, infrared, you can use them on skin. It won't work on the hair. So don't be fooled into, oh, we've got two laser, laser diodes and the rest are infrared. It won't work. So you need the depth of penetration, the depth of the light. It works very similar to minoxidil. So if the hair is there and it's miniaturized, what it can do is it can stabilize it and then it can increase the size and the length of the hair and help to maintain and keep it. So if the follicle is empty, if we've got a loss, we can't necessarily regenerate it unless there's still a viable hair in there. Um, but we can maintain what you've got and we can make it thicker and fuller. And that's what the treatment does. So they're very similar. They just work in a slightly different way. Your, your minoxidil is working on vasodilation, blood flow and what it pulls into the follicle. Your helmet is working on the cells that make the keratin, the protein that makes the hair. It makes it thicker, wider and longer. They do the same thing, mm. just in a different way. Okay. Thank you. And I'm now going to go into some questions because we had loads. And I know we can't avoid talking about brands, but I don't mind because I'm not earning any money out of mentioning brands. It doesn't really matter. If you've Thank got you. brands and you want to share them, please share them. And I think people at home might feel it's quite nice to be guided a little bit. But one lady said, "One, my once healthy scalp has become very dry, flaky and itchy. Is there anything I can do to help this? loads so if the scalp is imbalanced um it's generally down to a yeast that lives on there so got yeast all over the body but the difference on the scalp is we have 180,000 oil glands the most of anywhere on the body so it's very oily and sometimes menopause or post chemo those glands can get a little bit out of kilter and if it, it's producing too much sebum or oil and it's sitting on the scalp the natural yeast gets overactive and it makes it inflamed, incredibly itchy, flaky. There's a treatment shampoo that is absolutely brilliant. You can use it every day and it will balance that scalp back out and help you to maintain it. It's possibly what we call seborrheic dermatitis. Without seeing it, I can't confirm that, but it sounds like it. Um, the shampoo, you can get it on lots of different websites. It's called Juniper Therapy, and it is absolutely amazing on scalps. It really balances the scalp. Um, it's got lots of natural ingredients in it. One of them is cade oil, and cade oil is a plant extract. It's anti-inflammatory, anti-itch, 
an antimitotic. So it gets that yeast to behave and not divide and make the skin cells and the flakes so much. But it's also got something in it called pyroctonolamine, which is amazing. It keeps the scalp clean and balanced. It allows the follicle to be clear so new hair can come out easily. If you're using something like minoxidil, it can penetrate better. You, you can find it, I think there's a website called Tony Malidi. Um, it's certainly on Trico Extra. There's several websites. There's lots of clinics that sell it online and pharmacies. Juniper therapy um, scalp treatment shampoo is amazing. Wash every day for at least a week to clear it. And then every sort of couple of days, not longer than that, if you've got an inflamed, itchy scalp, because it will keep flaring and you want to keep on top of mm. it, that yeast down. Mm, thank you for that. I almost think I need it, although I haven't got a dry and itchy scalp. <laughs> Does um uh, earlier in the conversation you mentioned a new shampoo? I can't even remember that. Well remembered, um, Kate. What was that new shampoo and what was it for so reminders? The, the new shampoo is called Tricotane. I've been working on it for the last four years with a very clever cosmetic scientist, and it's a shampoo and a conditioner. And all the research around hair loss is really about testosterone and dihydrotestosterone. But the latest papers over the last four years are talking about the effect of the oxidative stress in male and female pattern, in shedding, in some of the autoimmune conditions. So we formulated and tested the, the shampoo is full of antioxidants and it penetrates right into the root of the hair. You've got to get down to the root to treat the thing that's making the hair fall. And then the conditioner is really good at the external oxidative stress that damages the, the fiber of the hair. And the two together will retain hair. We're calling it a retaining shampoo, keeps the hair on the head and improves the quality in the hair health. And again, if you're using other treatments like topical minoxidil or a guide topical finasteride, it makes the penetration and the absorption of those so much more efficient. Um, it, it's really sort of 97% natural, um, but very effective. It's taken a lot of time to get the balance of the antioxidants right um, and to make it sort of do the job we want it to do. And that is literally went live yesterday. Um, we haven't done any promotion wow. yet. It's going to go through clinics and pharmacies. Um, you'll see it on Instagram and some social media. Um, we know from our testers, they, you know, have been desperate to have it in their hands again. Um, and it really helps to retain and keep that hair as good as we can possibly keep it. It's called Tricotane, the website is. So you can find it on the Tricotane website. Thank you. What do you think about shampoo oil? And it's spelled C-H-A-M-P-O oil. I think it's a hair care brand yes. and a lady's probably seen it. Um, do you know about it? What do you think about it? Yes. So I see it in clinic. Patients come in with it. I'm the one that's out there that is always looking at the ingredients in the middle of the aisle, getting in everybody's way. And shampoo is a is a, a, a nice brand. It does shampoos and conditioners. It's got this pitta oil that purports to make the hair grow faster, thicker, stop hair loss. It doesn't. It's cosmetic in its action. Um, and I have found a few patients get scalp irritation with it. It's got a few things in there that can be a little bit irritant. It's a nice cosmetic product, but it's not a hair loss treatment. And that's the key okay. difference. Yes. Um, 
And whilst we're talking about brands, a lady is asking, what is a good collagen supplement to buy? I mean, you could probably choose very many because there are many brands who have great integrity. Yeah, there are lots out there. The brands that I use, and I'm their trichologist, they pay me to do trichology, not to promote the brand, is Absolute Collagen. It's a liquid sachet. It's got the right amount of protein in. It's it's pre-treated, um, so you absorb it really well in the gut. You don't have to work for it. And we've just literally submitted a clinical trial paper. It's the first one of its kind that's been done where we've done it on the skin and the hair. And we did something like 160 patients on what you call a double blind placebo. So some were having it, some weren't. We baselined them at week one and we followed their journeys right through to week 12. And in all cases, we saw a benefit in the skin, a massive benefit in the scalp and an increase in diameter and density in the hair. And that was just a random selection with a a company called Princeton. They do lots of of clinical trials. And that paper's just been submitted to um, the Board of Dermatology to look to having it published. So I can obviously speak really highly of absolute collagen. There are other ones out there. Um, I'd always say go marine. It's much more bioavailable. I wouldn't go bovine. I'd probably say try liquid because if it's capsulated, then you've got fillers and you've got the coating. You're not quite getting what you want. And look what the protein is. You know, I've seen them as little as a gram, which isn't really worth having, to eight to 10 grams, which is worth having. So it's really looking and and seeing what the brands offer. I love it when a brand invests heavily in research and studies and clinical trials like this, because I know how expensive they are. And it's also really beneficial as a consumer when you know someone's done their research before you buy a product, isn't it? I think today has been so, um, like my head is buzzing. Um, I'm sharing with everyone that I'm going to get my helmet back out of my cupboard because you've given me renewed enthusiasm to look after my hair. I've covered up nicely today. I'm not going to worry about my hair too much. That was one of the decisions I had made when years after my chemotherapy, my hair was still not very nice and it was very thin. And every time I come out of the water in the summer, I just see a lot of scalp. But I had to make that decision to just not give a toss. Anyway, that's really helped me personally. But you know, it's been a journey. And I think when people have these hair issues, it can be a real journey, can't it? I think as well, it's really emotional. That's what people forget. Your hair isn't really about how it looks. It's about how it feels. And it can make you very anxious. It can make you depressed. It can stop you going to social situations. And you become really hair aware. You notice every little thing about your own hair. You notice everybody else's. And it can really make you miserable. And sometimes you may have gone to places like the GPs and they will say it's age or menopause. And and then you feel a bit squashed and you don't want to talk about it. Generally, I don't find that. My oldest patient that I've treated is a lady of 90. She came to me when she was 90. I treated her daughter really successfully. She wanted enough hair to have a colour. We treated her. She came back on her 91st birthday and she went skipping because we'd improved that hair. So if we can do it then, Amazing. come along, don't feel like it's vanity. Don't be embarrassed. Don't think anybody's going to judge you. Quite the opposite. And if you can you can control your hair like you are you've made that decision it's one of those things that you tick off your box and it takes away that anxiety and that sort of feeling of 
you're a little bit scared because you're always thinking, am I going to wake up with any tomorrow? And if you can get rid of that, that's a brilliant place to be. And that's ultimately why I do what I do, because that that's hopefully what I give to people is, is better hair or a way to manage what they've got and live with it. Thank you so much. You couldn't have ended this conversation in a better and more positive way. Thank you, Eva. So very welcome. If anybody's got any questions at all, Danny, and, and you want to email them to me, please don't worry about doing that. I will answer oh, them because I know I've put lots lovely. of info out there. I say to every patient, you know, uh, when you get your email with your notes, don't worry about sending me questions. I don't expect it all to go in. And genuinely, I don't mind answering because I just want to help people to get good hair. I hope you found this episode really helpful. It was so lovely to sit together with a whole group of the women in our community who were actively putting all the questions in the chat box so I could then ask them to Eva. And I think this whole bringing together experts and bringing together the women in our community is just, it works so well. And I really feel the connection to all of you. And I know if you're listening back to this, or if you're watching this back, then you're going to feel a little bit removed, but just know that there is a whole army of of us out there with a similar shared experience who are all also trying to find solutions to their symptoms and just not to feel so alone. Just to say at the end of this show that I'm in no way affiliated to any of the products that have been mentioned on this podcast today. I genuinely just want to share all of the tips that our experts have to share with us. And yeah, I just hope you can tackle your hair problems. I've been on a real journey with my hair. I've been, it's been a real love-hate relationship ever since I lost it to chemotherapy therapy many years ago now and I know how I don't know how conscious we can be can't we when when our hair isn't what it used to be or when we just feel that it's thinning and we're losing it and yeah it's just not a very nice feeling and so I think it can impact us a lot more than we think it should but it is what it is and for that I'm grateful that Aoife shared so many tips with us today. In the show notes I'm going to link to the website where we can maybe fill in forms and ask questions to Eva and her team which is such a great and lovely gesture of her so do make use of that. Um, for now I shall be wearing my laser helmet again which I have been investing in <laughs> a long time ago and then I kind of wore it for a while didn't think it was doing anything and then gave up but I think that's the story of my life I'm not so consistent with a lot of things but I'm gonna get that out of the cupboard again now um for now I'm gonna love you and leave you and I see you next week mm -hmm.